friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my limber, witchy woman and co-host, Alex Dandino. I did that with a guys. Vo- Sorry, I did that with a voiceover so you can hear it, understand it. Oh, okay. I said cool. it in its traditional I- Austrian, so my bad. Very, very good. Sorry for my pleb uh, ears. <laughs> I don't understand the the different dialects of Dandino. Uh, guys, this is a a bonus interruptory podcast, if you will. This is not part of a theme. This is a makeup show. Uh, I think it was November, right? We did the School of Hard Knocks. Pod goes to the School of Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. Part of us choosing to do that was we were going to watch the original Suspiria, the Dario Argento Suspiria, and then go to the theater and see the new Suspiria, which I was super excited about. Uh, but sadly, I live in the middle of the country and we don't get movies. <laughs> so I was unable to procure it until it just became available on Amazon. So for those of you like me who were waiting, uh, now you have a path to watch this movie. And boy, should you. I have a lot of... <laughs> We have a lot to work out on this movie. I I saw this back in November. Uh, I actually was able to, uh, because I still live in Los Angeles where they do have movies, and uh, I was able to stop into the theater and see this fucking three-hour Goliath. I can smell your coastal elitism through the mic. That's right. You all keep that in mind. Very elite. (laughs) Very elite. As as Dandino looks down for me upon his uh, kale-stridden pedestal, I'll try to keep up. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> um, Thank you for okay, acknowledging. Okay, so this, I don't know exactly where to start with this one. Yeah, let's, I'd like to know where you're going to start here. Initial reactions. Um, I know that you don't love this movie. <laughs> I'm going to take the opposite. What I would say, this is how I described it when I first, or when I saw this movie, right? Is that I think it is a less than the original to me. For me, I would always go back to the original and I think it'll be hard for me to find the time to carve out to watch this movie. That said, the Suspiria remake, I like that they went their own way. I like that they went for something uh, new and just weren't so beholden to the original. Because the thing about the original Suspiria, it's so much this kind of punk rock tone poem thing right where it's it's so unique and its own kind of amalgamation of disparate parts i think it would be hard to ever recapture that so i think they did a good job of homage but making their own thing um and at times i think the new suspiria is transcendent there are a couple scenes that are as good of horror movie scenes as i've ever witnessed um the problem I think most people have with this movie, and I, I was in this boat a little bit too. Um, this is a prime example for my 90 minutes or less blog. I mean, you could easily chop an hour out of this movie oh, and yeah. would not miss a thing. Yeah. It feels very bloated where there are a lot of parts that I don't see how they enhance what I think are the really strong elements. And it, to me, it just, the more they pull us out of the school and, this and that. I feel like we're kind of losing this really good, powerful thread that they have. So I think the, the the releasing of the pressure constantly and having to like kind of go into these lulls and then come back. Um, for having Tilda Swinton, I feel like she was criminally underused in this movie at times. 
Um, but overall, I would say, to me, I, I like when a big, impressive horror movie like this comes around. And I, I'll, I'm able to take the lesser parts to get to those transcendent scenes, which this one did have. This had about three or four scenes that I think are as good of horror movie scenes as I've ever witnessed. So for me, I would give it, you know, for me, it's like a C-plus movie. I, I liked it. I did like it. What were your initial takeaways? Um, I saw this in the theater, so my experience with it was a little different. Um, but, you know, uh, I was curious. Like, when we watched for the show, the original, I remember we speculated on this either before or after. But I thought, like, how are they going to remake this? Like, this movie is, like, the original Suspiria, because I agree, there are parts of the original Suspiria that I think are kind of very tone poemy as you said that's a good way to put it i also think the plot itself is pretty threadbare like it's very straightforward yes. and there's literally yes. no frills to it whatsoever like we get to the fucking point of that movie real quick and that's really yeah it. and that's and there are also there are also big parts of the original suspiria where it it feels like the things happening have nothing to do even with a bigger narrative it's just kind of right. like hey we need a cool moment right, right. i mean that's really what that yeah. is like and that's part of the I guess sort of charm of the original Suspiria is that, yeah, there's a lot of shit in there. There's some shit in there. You're like, huh? Okay. Well, that literally had nothing to do with the through plot, but sure. Yeah. Let's keep it. You know, you got to keep it. A, you got to keep it 100 when you're doing a horror film. So when I, I stepped into Suspiria, the new one thinking that this was going to be very similar in um, at least very similar in the way it presented the, the it's horror. I was very wrong. Uh, the way I described it walking out was, have you ever seen a student film that somebody thinks is really good and is really proud of? Uh. <laughs> and then, he, and oh, have I? Yeah, uh, I I don't think I've ever seen a student right. film where it wasn't pitched to me as, uh, "This is the beginning of the end." So dude. all you, the Oscars will live at my house. So have I'm you old. ever Have you ever watched a student short film that uh should, was programmed into a festival? That instead of being five minutes or three minutes like the rest of them was 20 minutes long and the director of it seemed to justify why it was that long. And then you watched it and you were like, why the fuck did you make it 20 fucking minutes long, man? Holy shit. And it was all these he shows up to make you watch it. and You're like, when did you start wearing so many scarves? Yeah. And it was all these scenes of like clowns flipping pancakes and like naked girls just like standing in the background hovering. That's wow. pretty much what okay. Suspiria is. Um, <laughs> I listen. This movie, there are I I, okay. I didn't know you were you were descending all the way to the Helena Marcos level of hatred for this movie. There are. I thought maybe we'd meet in the middle. No, like that weird uh, mirror fuck room. <laughs> there are. There, I agree. There are three or four scenes in this movie that are probably about as good as horror gets. Like there are. There is one scene particular that is so fucking visceral and awesome. Like I. Sitting in the theater, I was watching this. Like Griffey is gonna fucking cream his jeans watching this moment. Like there's nothing. Oh, by like the way, I I think you could subtitle this movie Fifty Shades of Griff. I was <laughs> I told you I was uncomfortable with how torqued I was during this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one hit all. But this is the thing I I like. I like a lot of the European aesthetics of this and how it plays. I'm really into like weird art house horror, as oh. you know. I, I, so this sorry, one I didn't know that you were. Me. I didn't know you were such a huge fan of uh, of uh, pre of pre uh, pre Iron Curtain falling uh, politics. My bad. 
Oh yeah, I had no idea you were such a scholar. That's huge. That, that one's wait. That, is the Iron Curtain the thing that Hasselhoff played on? Or no? no <laughs> sorry, my history and geography knowledge much less than you would imagine. Uh, I, or not? Maybe exactly look, where you'd put me. The, I, the I stuff don't know. that happens within the school and the things that occur within that realm of the plot make a lot of sense. And like, I really enjoy that stuff. This movie is so fucking bloated with. Hey, guess how artsy I am check out this whatever subplot that means absolutely nothing you'll never understand here it goes like there's so much of that to me going on in this movie that it literally unhinges the entire thing for me like beneath all the cool shit that i really enjoyed there's just so much there's just a river of nonsense running that i i I can't ignore like that's the problem i have with well this this movie did engage like that part of my brain that i i love being a movie bullshitter right where I see something in a movie and you're like, how can I, through just the most strenuous, you know, leaping ballet of mind, <laughs> try to justify this? And this movie gives you plenty of those. Oh, yeah. And I feel like I struggle. Like, here's – this is what I took away, right? I think there is a theme of succession and – especially succession of women in the world of man, Right? Sure. That I actually really latched on to. There, there is a very interesting relation between her and her mom. Uh, the power struggle between, um, what was her name? Bella. Tilda Swinton was the dancing coach and then Helena Marcos, right? right. Both kind of vying for uh, Susie in this movie that I thought was really fascinating. And Susie's first, uh, you know, kind of stepping up and pushing aside Olga. Right. I think there was a cool kind of the way women cannibalize each other to get ahead when there are not enough opportunities per se. And, and the things that we inherently take from others who are supposed to help us and nurture us. I thought there was some really fun elements of that. The things that I was a bit lost on, like I still don't understand why you set this during the war. I have no idea. Like it it never, it never plays a huge factor. It's just kind of like, Oh, there's some chaos in the streets. And it seems to, on a broad stroke to me, be, oh, look at this world of man and how chaotic and terrible it's been. But we have this, you know, kind of sheltered paradise island for women. But then all the women in there are kind of terrible to each other, right? So I I don't know that that uh, analogy works either. Yeah, like the socio-political overtones, like the things that they wanted you to grab from, because it's not, this is the other thing too, it's not the war, it's this hyper-specific moment in uh, world history called German Autumn, which was literally like a kidnapping that fucking freaked everyone out. Like, this is the thing that, like, I had no fucking idea, and at the same time, like, I don't know what that is, and (laughs) I, I cannot see how it fucking factors into this at all. Like, why are you doing this to me? Like, Oh, because when she, you know... Autumn, uh, what is it? Winter showers bring uh, wet dream flowers or something like that. Is this word? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Never mind. I have no idea what. But this, this is what I mean, though, right? That is that is a big detail to just add. Yes. Like, it's a and big so, thing to add. For me, I always the- ask, what is the director's choice here? What am I supposed to glean from that? And I feel like I'm I'm a pretty open and engaged audience member, right? I put the phone away when I watch. I'm really trying to get in on this. I, I could make nothing of this. I yeah. could not follow the I decision, and it feels like hard. it should matter. I really try. And the tried. only time it matters is to the old man doctor, right? 
who also somehow in the in the course of this history, he lost his wife. So he's the only one who feels like he's impacted on a visceral level, other than like kind of random street chaos, which we see by by the events of kind of the war and you know whatever the fucking german autumn or whatever the fuck you were talking about exactly I see, still have like, no it's idea such a hyper specific moment but also yeah i agree also i still to this day like this has been three months as i've seen this movie i do not know why that old man is in the movie i have no okay clue. now that to me is that is something i was like this could be our first like mystery we tackle right I so there are two interesting questions for him to me, or actually three, I would say. One, why the doctor? Because at the start of the movie, right? So the first time we see the doctor, he is a conduit to relief. Right. Well, he's so hit. He's hit Clay, girl goes to him. Yeah, he's Chloe Grace Moritz is a psychiatrist. Yeah, and she starts off, and and they do this kind of cool. I like the opening where, you know, as she's coming into the room, there's kind of this very fast, chaotic close-up cutting until she sits. And then it kind of slows down, right? He he is this respite from the chaos that she's experiencing. And she starts going into these, as he thinks, delusions of witches and this and that. Um, and it's it's okay. It's an, it's intense for that kind of a scene, this kind of expository setting, setting the table scene, right? Right. I, I thought it worked, and she has that great line when, uh, as she's leaving, the doctor's, you know, kind of like, are you okay? What's going on? And she's like, they'll hollow me out and eat my cunts on a plate. Yeah. And then she just leaves, and I was like, well, this is going to be the greatest movie ever. I'm super excited. <laughs> and so the doctor is playing the relief from the outside world, right? He's he's the outsider um, who's not trapped in the ballet Lord of the Flies world of the school. Right. Who can help? But by the end of the movie, it feels like it pulls away where he's as much just kind of witnessing with us and not helping to where at the end, he's actually kind of this completely just captured passenger that they then release into the night. Like, you know, some catch and release fish. Right. And 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 by the end of the movie, I think you have to say he has exactly zero impact on the story. Yes. Like, and so that that original uh, savior. Yeah, so the original savior role he's playing and maybe garnering some, you know, expert testimony in the middle. I don't by the end of the movie you're like, well that just feels like they could have done that with some character inside the school. Right. There's a he shows up at the end of or so he at the end of one of the big scenes in the movie, he like ends the the, the scene ends and that was the moment I started laughing in the theater. I was like, this is like, he literally means nothing to the story. I have no idea what he means to this story because of just the matter of factness of how he like shows up at the end of this scene. And in the, towards the end of the movie, I'm like, holy shit. Why? Why is this happening? Why is this just like, whatever? Like I yeah. threw my well, hands it, up in the theater. <laughs> he kind of goes on this 2001 journey, right? Like, I am old, and now I witness, and then I become giant star baby. Yeah, so, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> and, like that's what but, okay, it is. So th there is a moment early in the film that I thought maybe explain this and ties into the second question, right? Oh, so the second question that me and you grappled with so yeah. heavily: Why cast Tilda Swinton in this role? Yes, that's an important. Thing. I know Tilda she's Swinton. great. Tilda Swinton is the old man. Yeah, but she's got the head. She's already the heavy of the movie, essentially. Yeah. 
why give her double duty unless there's and it's just so much extra work right yeah there has to be some kind of bigger decision making behind that right and again i felt myself at a, a bit of a loss right so we see early that there's kind of this like brunch nook where all the witches get together and be like how's witching pretty dope <laughs> uh, do you like bellas or marcos right take a vote and I think Bellis is the dance teacher who's sitting there and is like, well, it's fucked up to half you vote against me, but whatever, it's cool. Yeah. The dynamic between the voting, I never fully got behind either. It's like, so downstairs you have uh, Jabba DeMarcos, you know, like, doesn't she just run shit? Like, yeah. okay, never mind. We'll get to that part. But she says at one point, right, I won't force Susie. We lost the last one because we forced her, which I'm assuming is a uh, hit girl, yeah. right? Chloe... Chloe DeMartz or whatever her name is. Right. Grace Smarts. Yeah, so Grace we Martz, lost yeah. her because we we rushed it, essentially. And we find out that Marcos wants to inhabit the body of one of these dancers. Right. Um, She's like, I won't rush it. I won't rush it. And in this conversation, there's just kind of this extra throwaway, right? Where um they talk about the old man and how they've been going to, uh, you know, talk to him at one point. We see the uh, creepy black-haired witch kind of do like a phase in and spying on uh, Susie's friend when she goes to talk to the doctor later in the movie. Right. So they're aware of him. And the, the creepy black-haired witch says, um, the old man will be witness. Right? Right. And to me, it immediately, ha I'm like, all right, so does this explain the dual role? Is there some like, is this like Atilda is her masculine and feminine side fighting? Yeah. And also just to have, like, why have to develop a witness? Obviously, the ritual at the end of the movie doesn't go as planned. Right. <laughs> Clearly, some uh, things but, changed. But the witness role. Yeah. And, and this is the thing. I, I don't know if the old man becomes the lens of masculine viewpoint that doesn't fully understand the inner workings of the. I mean, it's, oh, it's is that little, why I I'm didn't trying, understand the film? Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's like I start trying every like very broad and yeah. vague, like bullshit. No, I art house movie thing that like guys like us try to say to make it make sense of why we watch these movies instead of just watch, you know, Terminator. No, I, absolutely, I did too. And I sat there and tried to figure out why, like after the movie, like after I walked out of the theater, I'm like, why was Tilda Swinton the one who was the old man? Like there's a million and one great old man actors out there. Why did they decide yeah. Tilda Swinton needed to be an old man makeup? We're just like, is Joffrey Rush busy? What's yeah, happening? I'm like, like what's going on? That like <laughs> Jeffrey Rush was absolutely like, Oh, Sorry, I'm too busy. Like, no, no yeah. one in the world would have turned this down. So the question I had was like, why? I mean, is Plummer so busy redoing the Spacey catalog that he was unavailable? <laughs> like, what's happening? They were in the middle of shooting the Amer they were in the middle of shooting American Beauty, and Christopher Plummer was just not available. I guess. Like, I don't understand why she had. to No, be Christopher Plummer was redoing the uh, the Let's Be Frank video for YouTube. <laughs> Uh, that's actually that needs to happen. I didn't. That would be great. But I, I, I literally I spent like the remainder of the day after we saw that movie trying to understand why Tilda Swinton was dressed up as a like old man. Um, like because I, I was I agree I was like going through all these logic leaps. I'm like maybe the conduit, maybe the conduit, like maybe the man was the conduit, and now they like right. they realize the man is too frail. Like like I was trying to think of anything that made sense to me, and I just. I, I I just stopped thinking about it. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't make right. any more I can't make any more presumptions and I have to just like let it live. Well the therapist to me is interesting because I understand him as 
kind of plot device, right? Like he'll be the only person that the girls can seek help from, the only link to the real world as they get further and further into this kind of alternate reality in the school. That makes sense. But having Tilda Swinton, you know, the one of your lead women playing a man who does not seemingly exhibit traditionally masculine traits, right? Or does not seemingly exhibit uh, meaning to the plot of the film. Very important. Right. And this is one of the, I mean, this movie seemingly, I mean, it's like, it's so anti-man at times, you would think Gillette sponsored it. But. <laughs> <laughs> Timely. Just kidding. I actually love that Gillette ad. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, I don't understand I just don't understand, right? Because because he doesn't offer a masculine, uh, a toxic masculine lens. No. And if if he's kind of a centrist, like cool man who wants to help women out, and he's down to like help the ladies, I don't know why he gets treated so poorly by the end of the movie. I don't understand because the closest I could come is that this movie is for men to witness. Yet I think because the movie mixes a couple metaphors, I don't know what. I'm supposed to take uh, from his lessons. Right. I there's that, a, That's the hard part. Well, there's something we glazed over here, and it's a fucking cardinal sin for me for movies now. And I realize I used to love this. I used to think this was the best motif. Like, I used to think that this was the most intelligent, cool way to, like, pace a movie. And I now realize it's the biggest fucking waste of time and probably one of the worst cardinal sins you could make. <laughs> The opening credits begin by telling you that Suspiria, this version of Suspiria, is a story in seven acts plus an epilogue. Which, you don't like that, huh? Which I really think, I mean, like, to me, I, again, like I said, <laughs> I used to think that is the fucking coolest, like, oh, cool. It's like, a, it's like a basically, it's like you're watching a play. Because I, I took that in and I'm like, are they going to try to present this to us more as like, it's like the aesthetics of a play because this takes place in like a dance school. Is this going to be right. playing this up a little more? Because I'm starting like I started the movie when I saw it in the theater. I started the movie thinking I need to pay attention to every single detail because there's no way not every single detail is going to be important. So when I notice that, I'm like, OK, I have to note that like maybe this is going to be one of those things where at every opportunity we end up seeing something on a stage, something like that. Maybe there'll be this motif. But no, it was just. The thing that the way they paced out the movie was act one and then they titled it. I think this is a cardinal sin because a now I'm counting throughout <laughs> the entire movie. And like yeah, by the, the time it got to I two hours too. and we were only on act four, I was like, holy fucking shit. Are you serious? There's three more acts to get through. Oh, my God. How are and we going to do this? <laughs> and an epilogue. What are we going to do? Yeah. I, the thing to me, right? I, I don't mind that as much because, like, we just did the house that Jack built, and it essentially does the same thing. Right. Like, I'll tell you my five incidents. Right. Sure. It's But that's but like the exact it's same not thing. It's not as, though. like, it doesn't have, like, a text card every time. And this, so, but, and this is the thing. I, this is the difference to me between house that Jack built and Suspiria is that I can watch every incident of house that Jack built as its own standalone story. Sure. Right. If you're going to break it into smaller bits like that, the, the, the segments need to stand as their own complete right. story. House of Jack to me. built their stories are reasonably disconnected. Like, yeah, and honestly, I can't tell you the difference between almost any scene. Right? It's like blood orgy, getting to school. I mean, that's about the only two that I can distinguish from the rest of the 
you know, right. segments of the movie. Right, right, right. So to me, the fact that they – and maybe this is the thing. Like, when I watch it the next time, maybe I will pick up more. I feel like this is one of those movies that's very dense, or at least trying to be, so that maybe as you've kind of been wrapping your head around it long enough, something will just click into place upon a future viewing. Right. Um, the problem is, is yeah, I, I, I don't like the countdown aspect. It's so funny. The worst version of this in movies, now that you mention this, is the movie Sphere. Do you remember that? <laughs> Where it's just, it's this very straight up kind of sci-fi underwater story, right? Right. And they'll just stop and be like, the Sphere. And then you go see the Sphere and the monster. And then it's raining like squid eggs. And you're like, why are you putting these cards in here? Yeah. Just show me the thing. <laughs> yeah. But I think this is this is the funny thing about this movie is I, I describe the transition between the original Suspiria to this movie as punk rock to prog rock. Yeah, that's it's a good way to extra, put that. It's, it's just extra ornate. It's extra intricate at times in ways that I think muddle the story often. Yeah. Right? Because I, I agree with you. I think the original Suspiria is very thed, threadbare narratively because they're more just eliciting a fear. Yeah. Right, they're trying to grab you and shake you and say, "There's fucking witches and evil all about you all the time." Like, feel uncomfortable. Look right. what we're doing. Fucking obnoxious colors, right? Intrusive uh, audio, all that. They're trying for this kind of a feel more than the overall kind of lessons and fable right. aspect of a story. Right? right. This one feels like it has so much it wants to say. Yeah. And I think it misses on a good chunk of it is the problem. Yeah. Because the doctor – and that's that's my third point with the doctor, right? My third question with the doctor is just why why is he there to witness that last scene? What is the value of him? Because originally I thought, oh, he'll be the sacrifice, right? That's what the I blood, thought. The, the blood of an intrusive man. That's what I thought. Going. I thought the exact and same wait, thing. Time out. If I, if I remember – I mean, I guess he could have still been that on like a – a long level because the ceremony was obviously interrupted, but it looked more like they were just doing a, uh, you know, fucking scissor me timbers dances and handstands and shit. Like I didn't see anyone with like a. I thought they were decorative just, knife to. I thought they were just doing another number to bring uh, uh, Mother Marcos back. Yeah, but Mother Marcos is there. That's the fucked up thing. Yeah, or Helena Marcos. At least. Yeah, I. I mean, this is the thing, right? So. I'd actually rather now. So that's kind of my my grievances with the movie, right? I feel like it adds a lot of things that are of a different theme. Yes. That that muddle the water think- and kind of confuse the theme. Because here's what I love in this movie. If you put this all in the school, there is this theme of the line of succession. And at what point do people feel useless and discarded? And that someone behind them is taking from them as they ascend to a more prominent role, right? right. Um, there is a theme of that that I fucking love. Yeah, I think and that, there there is a lot in the school that I really fucking dig. I think the school stuff is excellent. Like the hypertension yes. within the actual school is what's awesome. Like if you cut this entire movie down to like making it as claustrophobic as possible and keeping everything in the school, there is some shit in this movie that like. That is the movie that I was expecting to watch, like the containment within the school, like nothing going on outside the school really relates to what I needed. Other than like Chloe Grace Moritz going to the doctor at the very beginning, which like sets the movie off everything within the school. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's the last time I need to be outside of the school. Right. For the whole movie. 
everything else. I think is... in the original, the only time we go outside of the school, right, is we're at the airport at the start, and then uh, when the Running blind the pianist gets murdered. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and then the rest of the movie is just there. So I like this. So the movie starts off, and I, I gotta say, I was shockingly into the dances. <laughs> you know, like the dance, the dances, and the music. And I'm not a musical guy. Like, you're a musical guy, this and that. To me, it kind of stops the narrative cold for me. And I'm just like, if you don't like the songs that much, you're just like, eh, all right, we're just going to do this. And then it takes a while to reengage with musicals at times, right? Yeah. I thought the visual storytelling of the dances in this movie was shockingly powerful. This is something. Um, So, like, the silent audition, right? Right. This is the first time we see her dance. Because they do this weird... She had no training, but somehow ends up, at, you know, from uh, Dust Floor, Ohio to this school in Berlin. Uh, it's with always no tra- Ohio. Anyways. People yeah, are always escaping up. from Ohio. I'll tell you, I live in Indiana. I don't trust a one of those Ohioans. Hey, Not man. Not a one. <laughs> I, I escaped from Ohio. I've never gone back. <laughs> and now look at you doing ballet from your lofty pedestal <laughs> in Los Angeles. No, I agree. Uh, the music in this movie is super arresting, and I think that coupled with well, that, the dude, actual dance that. numbers like my wife used to work at a cafe down in uh mid city in la and griffey you've been there a couple you were there a couple of times but they ran a dance studio in the back and what was funny is when we walked out i saw this movie with evan who's one of our friends from Longbox. uh but evan evan and his girlfriend and i went to go see the movie we walked out and evan was like that movie was like jazzo if it was a horror movie like that's how i felt like that was like that's the kind of dancing they did uh at like the shows we would have to go to because when andrea was working there we'd go to those shows a lot that's the kind of dancing they did and that like that was like a very strange experience because i was like oh god like this is the kind of like intense like emotional dance that they were doing a lot of the time is there i mean have i guess this is my problem I liked it in the context of this movie because they would cut away to other things. But I was like, is there like people that just go watch like dancers and get all like, <laughs> oh, yeah, like their heartstrings and emotions get moved? 100%. Oh, yeah. Really? That oh. That is, I mean, because I guess that's the thing. I, I think, I've never gone to a decorative interpretive dance. Well, this is thing. like the other thing, too, that I really thought was interesting is the, you're going to laugh. The style of dance they chose to kind of interpret in this movie was like this weird we sort go. of like modern dance. Here we go. It was very peculiar. Like, yeah, this is what flies over the head of us small town real Americans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, like no, I, doing that was so thing. strange, but it also I actually, made sense. Yes, I, I'm with you. Because the, the other weird thing they do in the school is they do a lot of these weird porno zooms. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. This was like straight this out. Is where of, this was ripped straight from the seventies. Like the first right. time they did it was on uh, <laughs> was on Tilda Swinton, and like Tilda Swinton's an amazing actress. But the first time they did it was like, like it's one of my favorite things they do in modern movies is try to like make you remember that the seventies was awesome. It was an awesome time to make right. movies. <laughs> so they were like they do this a lot. It's like this. It's this really dramatic zoom while people are like walking through. Wes Anderson tries to do it, and it's really douchey. But like, and you know, what's funny. This movie had a shocking amount of Wes Anderson to me. Like there was the character. Oh, it's very. There was European. the character who looked like Emma Thompson, it, as interpreted by Wes Anderson, <laughs> who seemed like she was some kind of like, you know, psychically empathetic character. Right. But then halfway through the movie, just murders herself for no reason. <laughs> 
Yes. And I was like, oh, they killed the Wes Anderson character. There's so much of this, like... Like, that character, if you had told me that was Jason Schwartzman <laughs> in woman makeup, right? Like, I would have been like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But see, that's what's funny is, like, that's... The, the, the guy who directed this movie is the same guy who directed Call Me By Your Name. Like, he's an Italian film director. Like, that's what... That's the school of thought they're from. Like, that's, like, Italian neorealism, a lot of French Luca new Luca Gua- Guadagino? Guadagino? Is that I have no idea how to pronounce it. You're Italian? Tell me how to say these things. That's even worse. I don't even know how to say his last name. But that's, Guadagino! Like, that's Guadagino! super Italian neorealism, uh, French new wave, that, like, quick zoom and that kind of thing. Like, that's the thing Wes Anderson always is trying to do, but he does it in a very Wes Anderson-y way. That, the way they do in this movie, is, like, the super organic, what I remember from, like, watching, like, those really hoity-toity, up-their-own-ass movies when I was in film school. It's, like, that's what I remember watching from, like, the 400 Blows and Breathless and all that other shit is, like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, that's what they're doing in this movie, and that's what they're evoking is, like, this is definitely not an American-made movie. Like, that's the kind of crazy thing is for this movie to be such, like, an important centerpiece of what I consider to be, like, sort of the American horror culture. The movie that we saw is so steeped in what I think is, like, traditional um, foreign cinema. It's fascinating. Like, it's really cool. It it doesn't play as an American horror film Not even close. It essentially defies everything we like in our horror movies. Yeah. Uh, I actually was reading, there's an article that's called, uh, What the Fuck is Suspiria? <laughs> and then it says, the cast calls it a horror epic. <laughs> wow. Okay. And, and then, uh, yeah, like one of the IMDb, like if you just scroll down on the app, the first review is, uh, Guaradinho, uh, misspelled, of course, <laughs> Pre- pretends a pretentious play is art. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, that's fucking fantastic. No, uh, yeah, so the porno zooms are weird, but like, okay, so here's what I love. I love the, and this this gets back, this was one of the Argento burns, right? Because he came out and he said, this movie does not capture the spirit of the original and has no music, which is like a shocking dig at Tom York. <laughs> Interesting. Right? Yeah. He said it has no music. And I was like, well, what? It has music. Oh, you don't like the music. Okay. I I thought when they got to the school, they were doing some interesting choice, right? Like when she first enters the school, they have this really unusual crane away shot. Yeah. And it's kind of the, because that's something the original Suspiria did a lot was kind of the ghost cam, which I liked, mm-hmm. or the spirit cam. And they did a little of that. And she comes into audition. There's some weird zooms and music cues. And I, I like the silent audition that as she does it, they're intercutting it with Tilda Swinton, you know, almost getting the vapors. She's like, oh, oh, shit. She's getting a little <laughs> a little tickled, right? right she's, right. she's uh, you know, torqued up. She's excited about this dancer and then just comes to the audition, which is a great honor, apparently, in the school. And this, this gets back to, because I guess if I was to break down what I really liked in the movie. So if you use Susie as the centerpiece, right? She's kind of the connector, the woman coming into her own. Um, the relationship between her and Olga, which is brief but powerful, her and her dance teacher, her and Marcos, and then her and her mother, right? They all have this kind of cool, they can't exist in the same place and must cannibalize each other, which seems to be contrary to the entire concept of a coven. Right. And so I like the idea, like Tilda Swinton's role with her is very fascinating to me because in this movie, she's not necessarily bad that... The original dance instructor looks like, uh, you know, Nurse Ratchet as a Nazi. No, they have that uh, that other woman doing that. It's kind of funny. 
Yeah, but they split it out, right? And then Helena Marcos herself is just this kind of sister character to Tilda Swinton. Right. And so while she seems good, you know, she's the one who's sending her the wet dreams. And it seems like they have an extra kind of sensual relationship at times. Yeah. The thing I like about her is the relationship between her and uh, Susie is still toxic. Because through Susie, she's trying, in the same way that Helena wants to take over Susie, so does she. This is the way to project her dancing and her art into a youthful body that can still make her the most important person in the room. Right. And I thought that was kind of fascinating, right? I was like, that's a cool extra layer. And and they play it off as Tilda actually loves Susie. Right. Which I don't get at all. I, I don't buy that. I think she loves that. Susie is her link to the immortality she seeks. Yeah, I think her that, immortality is not a body, but a mind and art. Yeah, I think she loves Susie for the fact that she can provide what they've been looking for. Like, that's like, I mean, she, I mean it's not I don't think it's like love, like love in the way they like we would assume that that's some, like that's what they're trying to play up. I don't think that's how it is. Yeah, and, and, but that I mean, yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting and the scene where they get it together in the mirror room and she's practicing her jumps right yeah because she kind of Susie tells tilda like oh you don't know shit and tilda's like oh my god how dare you and they go to the the mirror room and i i like the mirror room a lot for this scene i think it's this cool the different versions of ourselves that we can project but also it puts them together isolated from the world right they're becoming one as well right like while they're fractaled they're also the same thing and i thought that scene of her jumping for tilda right was really powerful and i, I like this coming together and and this is like one of the things that i don't think matters like one of my goals i was going to do for this movie but i had too many things to get through this week was i was going to go frame by frame of the uh the ring tape style wet dreams that she was sending Susie. <laughs> right. Because uh, I just love the visuals of them, right? And the story always seemed to be this, as you ascend, other things will be destroyed. And I think that's kind of the tale of, of this movie that I like is this juxtaposition of the sisterhood of a coven, right? And through strength of the females and the numbers, uh, we can obtain these magics. But having to destroy someone else to do something like that is a really interesting uh, bargain to me. I, I thought that part was cool, and I thought it was most exemplified by Tilda and Susie, right? This seems like love, but do we really love people, or do we only love them as much as they can make us feel better, right? right? I thought, but that's what, and that's what I mean. All the stuff in the school was really fucking good to me. The school There's stuff, just this extra over hour of, you know, kind of wasted movie. <laughs> yeah. The school stuff is very interesting. There's a lot of, again, I mean, the first, the first, uh, major, the first big kill in this movie is like probably one of oh, the, might be one of the fuck, most visually yeah. intense moments I've ever had in movie theater. Like this is back to the mirror room again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, this is, uh, was it it's Olga? It's Olga. Olga they kick, they kick Olga out for fucking up the dance. No. Cause she's like, you fucking. I know you're witches. Right. You be witching. She's like, witching, bro. Yeah, she's like, fuck this. I know you're witches. And he's like, get out. Get out of my sight. Yeah. But it's interesting because the thing that I liked, and this is the part of the, like, the sort of visual metaphors that they use in this movie that I enjoyed, which was like, Olga thinks she's going out the exit and accidentally gets trapped in the mirror room. And yes. 
while Susie is taking her place in the dance. This is her first attempt. Susie's taking her place in the dance, and while Susie is dancing and like basically becoming the featured dancer, yep, Olga is being like stripped of her ability to control herself and control her body. Is like she's literally her like bones are getting crushed and her organs are getting ruptured and all this shit. And that's how it because like the visual metaphor is fucking amazing. The actual visuals of itself are so intense. Like it's not necessarily like this like blood fest or anything like that. It really is a I mean it gets it gets bad. It's disgusting. Like so there there are moments where Olga has like the single tear, but then blood's coming out of her eye. Yeah. Um and just the the snapping of her body, right? Ribs, arms. Yeah. There's a great shot when they come back and her face is just mangled, like her jaws. Yeah, her jaws like loose. off to the side. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, she pisses on herself. It's it's, it's fucked fucking, up. Fucking. Oh my god. And but this is what I mean: the power of the music and Dakota Johnson's kind of sh- uncomfortably sexy dance to me. Yeah. <laughs> while this is being destroyed, but that's what I like, you know. Olga is separated, discarded. She has a loss of self, a loss of value to the group and to herself and is actually just broken apart. And so what it says is as long as Olga was valuable to the company and these other women as a dancer, she was kind of herself, right? She was normal and okay. Right. The moment she stands on her own, she is completely pulverized. I mean, that's the best word for it. She is fucking pulverized in this scene. And it, to me, this is one of the all-time great horror scenes to me. Oh, absolutely. Like, I will remember this scene for the rest of my life. I will be delighted to show people this scene constantly. It's this and the ending scene are the two things I remember the most from this movie. They are. Yeah, I mean, th- those are the two scenes, really. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I like, too, in this scene, I like how it starts when she's getting ready to dance and Tilda Swinton comes up and almost gives her the stigmata signs where she presses on her hands and presses on her feet and leaves these kind of white fingerprint marks. Right, right. Almost like now she's tied to the world and Susie is or uh, Olga's untethered. But that scene is so fucking vulgar and, and kind of the ballsy ambition of Dakota uh, Dakota Johnson. Is that her name? Yeah. Dakota uh, Susie, right? Mm. The, the vulgar bare ambition that I will cannibalize this other woman's weakness to gain attention. Um, I thought was just fascinating. And that that's the thing, too, is. Susie's ambition throughout this movie is played as kind of this scarlet letter on her, right? Yeah. This is this is the mark that she's supposed to be a bad person. Which I thought is is pretty again, that that's something I wanted to explore more. Why is Susie, who came all the way from Dirt Floor, Ohio, being ambitious <laughs> right. bad? Well right? And and what we're led to believe the reason it's bad is because she through visuals, they tell us that she's willing to destroy Olga. Whether she knows it or not, she's somewhat complicit in this, right? Um, and they kind of play it off that we never know exactly how much Susie seems to know about what's going on, but it always feels like more than she should. Yeah. I Right? And, and then also the way she's kind of like honeypotting Tilda at a time, her, her ambition is always paired with some other more sinful quality, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that it's fat, like just yeah, like the yeah, like honestly, Dust Floor, Ohio, like that's a very important thing for like that character. It's really interesting the because I mean they're basically Quakers. Like she grew up as a Quaker, and or I mean or a Mennonite. I'm not really sure, but it was just imagine the most like 
sexually and emotionally repressed people on earth. And that's where she grew up in Ohio, which is basically Ohio. Sorry. Um, just in general, but that is one of those things where like, it's supposed to factor us into like, cause I thought that was going to be a much bigger deal was like, Oh, she's repressed and she's being unleashed or something like that. And I guess in a way that is sort of what's explored. But to me, Susie going to the school already does that like already makes that point so like that sort of repeated imagery of her like being repressed and her like sort of like basically escaping her escaping mm-hmm. her fate is almost a little wasted and almost a little overdone i think but it still makes like the ending particularly that much more interesting because then yeah. you think about where she came from and you wonder Yes. If that's something that's always been there. It's fa- that part is very fascinating. This is the part, because I don't think you need all of the stuff with the mom. They give us a lot of this in kind of the ring style wet dreams. Right. Which is that there is some kind of, they were Quakers. Uh, the mom didn't like that she found her masturbating and dreaming of Berlin. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, there, there's some tension there. But there's a scene near the end of the movie I love, which is her mom's on her deathbed. And they're like, she's like, bring me my daughter. And instead of this kind of nice moment, she says, uh, you know, she is the sin I have smeared upon the world. Right. And she has other kids, right? But she really hates this last daughter. And to me, again, this goes back to the this kind of female line of secession that this woman who birthed this lady, right? She feels that instead of an addition to the world, it's a subtraction from her um, through this birth. Right. And because she's not just a little miniature version of her. Because that's what Tilda wants her to be, too, a miniature version of her. Right. Right? They start kind of wearing their hair the same, this and that. So every woman wants her to be – they want Susie to become them. Right. right? They don't actually care about Susie. It's becoming them. Right. But the mother giving her this almost antichrist tag, right? Yeah. That she is the smear that I – the sin I smeared upon the world, which is a great line. I, I wonder if there's something to that more than just uh, she was kind of an abusive, shitty mom. Well, I assume that what it is is like because the way this the way this goes down is like during the uh, basically the actual ritual itself to bring Mother Marcos back. Susie shows up and essentially you find out that Susie's actually not the conduit for any of them. She herself is the the there's like the third sister or whatever, like uh, Mother Suspiriorum. Suspiriorum. That's so, the mother of size. So yeah. I think that's actually who she is, and that's what the mother thinks. Like I think Mother Superiorum essentially is supposed to be uh like is it like Mother Superiorum essentially supposed to be like death incarnate. And I think that's what Dust Floor Ohio mom is saying to Susie, saying, like, I know who you are. I know what you are. You are you know not what? Okay, I I'm gonna push back on one thing, right? I don't think of her as death incarnate. What, what I think she is, right, because she's listed as the mother of size in my research. Right. I think maybe what she is is she's kind of this this death to this kind of pathetic yearning, right? Something like that. Maybe a little more specific because um, what I think she does in this moment because, okay, so we're kind of skipping a bunch. But so the ending I mean, comes in. There's a bunch this, of dancing and really a bunch of people dance die. number where her, her friend breaks her leg in this horrific fucking scene. That is disgusting. And we find that all the girls underneath the school, there are all these kind of zombie corpse girls, right? Yeah. And that they're all being milked for their vibrance and energy and youth to keep uh, 
Jabba DeMarco's alive. Right. <laughs> right? Which, I again, this, this reinforces the theme of we only want these girls as long as we can be milking something from them. Right. And, and it was just good, visual, powerful stuff going on right there. The, the under the school, the dance ritual, the old man's in the house. And then she falls and snaps her leg. It's just fucking uh, It's vulgar. pretty gross. But then they... They heal her enough to send her back up to dance again. I was like, you fucking sick. They heal her just sick enough, bastards. by the way. Just enough to send her back up to dance. Like, it's like they like. Just All enough. right, we'll keep it fractured, not fully broken. Like, they literally. Yeah, like, like when you were a kid, rub some dirt on it. Yeah. It's broken. Just, just put more just, dirt on it. Just pour Robitussin on it. It'll be fine. Like, that's really yeah, some, what this some was. Some Tussin. <laughs> Get some Tussin. No. Uh, <laughs> but then, yeah, so this is cool, right? Because then we go to. There's this scene before we get there. And this this to me is where the Mother Suspiriorum stuff starts, right? So after the dance, Susie and some of the dancers now have kind of completed this ritualistic dance. Right. Her eyes have shifted, right? She's kind of got these more blackened eyes. Right. They're at that dinner. And all the witches in the coven are just getting fucking smashed and laughing it up. It looks like they're pairing off for some, you know fucking tongue olympics that are about to go down it it seems celebratory right sure well then all of a sudden at the heads of the table are just tilda and Susie, just fucking staring each other down yeah and this kind of knowing of what's to come um because she has the choice to make right will she choose to go the way of tilda or go the way of jabba de marcos right and then she goes to her room and she's sleeping and she sees the wet dream spirit right right it, it almost looks like that video, Aha, but like with a couple colors in it, right? right. Take on me Take to on a me. blood orgy. <laughs> yeah. blood to orgy. the blood orgy. Yeah. And so she enters this tunnel, and we come into this room, which is just peak awesome to me. This this last scene has every single thing I love, yeah, right? It's I agree. This was fucking the weird <laughs> hypnotic dancing, I, the music, the blood orgy. When we were in the theater, like, I leaned over to Evan, I'm like, Griffey is just going to fucking be torqued the entire time for the end of this movie. Like, there's no way. This is- oh, I'm glad I didn't see this in public. <laughs> I am so glad I didn't see this in public. <laughs> oh, it was, it's so good, right? So what we see is she comes down the stairs and, and there are her choices be- before her, right? We see Jabba DeMarcos, which is this disgusting fucking she almost looks like uh what's it the job of the, the hut fucking, she looks like job of the hut Jabba you the call hut, your job of the marcos that, the entire time the kind of sickening duke from a uh, dune right oh harkonnen she's got little steampunk goggles right she looks like the centibrit from hellraiser the yeah i mean really she looks like she looks like uh she looks like a centibite from hellraiser that like got burnt yeah she has that weird like on her left arm there's just an extra forearm wrist and hand protruding out of her like shoulder it's so fucking it's so gross. gross but yeah so she is going to like oh finally i'll be inside of you i'm taking over your bad until it's like be sure be you and it seems kind of altruistic but really it's because tilda wants her to continue down her path right be a vessel for her right and what we, and, and yeah old man tilda's just laying on the floor butt-ass naked like a little baby sobbing <laughs> right but this is where we get the the moment of power, right? Where, and this is the part I was a little confused on. Cause so they're in the coven and they're working towards this ritual, but there's no seeming power structure, right? It's like two witches at the top and there is kind of the classic ugly vile witch. And then the, 
that presents a good face to the world, but is kind of also a little more devious witch. Right. <clears throat> and this is we learned that the Coven doesn't fully know if they if they suspect one or the other of them will become Mother Suspiriorum, or if that's even a thing that is possible. Right. So I was a little off on the mechanics of how Susie just walks in and is like, oh, bitch, I'm Mother Suspiriorum. Yeah, I don't know either, but I assume it has to do with, I assu- again, I assume it has to do with the mother. I, 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 really think, I really think it has to do with the mother knowing that she was that all along. Like, yeah, well, there's a cool scene because in a room I forgot, she actually walks into a room and just strips naked. Yeah. And kind of looks around, right? Like, I'm laid bare. You can have me. Right. Right? And I guess in that moment, when she sees the wet dream spirit, it's it's a moment of, I won't choose either of them, but I, I will become a vessel to myself and something greater. Yeah. Right? So as she ascends, and then we just fucking break into this this just fucking awesome, awesome moment. Because we go downstairs, and they start the ritual, and broken leg Sarah just gets fucking gutted. Yeah. Right? The old man's just weeping. It's such a fucking intense scene. And this is before we go Super Saiyan, right? Yeah. Where, uh, you know, Tilda's like, hey, you have to be sure. And she just looks. She's like, I'm ready, madame. You know? And... I can't remember how it happens exactly, right? But it's the uh, the the Marcos child, and then there's this this moment I like of what is what do they say? Death to any other mother. That's what Marcos is saying, right? And that to me is fascinating because it's severing your your kind of ties and becoming a conduit to anyone else, right? I feel like it's right? sort so, of invoking the spirit. Almost. It's kind of interesting. Like, why would you say that in a room full of your sisters who are other mothers? Like, death to any other mother. Like, that's... I think that's sort of, like, the strange thing about the... You you said it earlier. Like, it's about, like, empowerment, but also, like, women... Like, these women are literally trying to replace each other constantly. Like, the yeah, back channeling... Well, that, that's it to me, constant, right? like, po- politicking that goes on between the teachers is really fascinating. Yeah, and so to me it's this, anyone else who is trying to um, birth an idea of themselves in you must be destroyed. And the cool part about that is what we don't realize is that Susie's already done that, and that includes Helena Marcos and all the other witches, right? She is now fully herself. Right. And there's a scene where Susie rips her chest open. Yep. And it looks like there are these kind of like grabbing little black mitts, right? There's some kind of like, disgusting hungry insatiable cavernous look to it right right and and that to me was an interesting part because now she's going to take them in right right i i just thought this part the idea of all the other women trying to impregnate her with themselves and then she just fully becomes her own and we get some great fucking moments like the fucking uh invisible guillotine yeah. Because this is Helena Marcos is the one that hits her sister with that, right? Right. So Helena hits Tilda and almost fucking decapitates her. Almost. Right. And this is what sets it off. And then, uh, you know, Susie's fully fucking Super Saiyan now. Right. 
And she fucking destroys everyone. She just starts walking around and blowing people's heads off, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, well, because it cuts to all of them going, Marcos. Marcos. And then we cut back and their fucking head explodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking good and gnarly. But there's still the blood orgy. No one stops blood orgy dancing. No one stops orgy dancing. Like, this is a really important aspect of the movie. No one stops the entire time. And that's the because all the women are like, well, if I stop, then I look like I'm singled out, right? right. There's this group think. Like safety in the herd, right? Like we're oxen who will surround a calf. Just keep blood orgy. I just want to point out, like this is all going on. The shot selection in this epi- in this whole episode is so fascinating because, like, it keeps cutting to like this wide shot of the actual like blood orgy, like the the situation occurring, and the whole time you're like, Jesus Christ! Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, every, like these women are just getting their heads blown off. Like those, I, I. At one point, I was just, I just started laughing. Like, I was like, I don't, I'm not smart enough. Like, I'm just like, there's just no, <laughs> there's no rational explanation. Like, I understood her walking in, blowing people's heads off who are uh, for Marcos. But again, but she gives them kisses, which is extra fucking devious. Yeah, it's dope, man. It's like a boom. Yeah. Oh, my God. I fucking love this part. But I like when Helena Marcos looks at her. Who are you? That's the first time in the movie that it feels like someone acknowledges that Susie could be something that they aren't preparing her to be. Right. And it's fucking cool, man. And and I like at the end when she's kind of walking around surveying the carnage and she just gets up on her thing like, I am mother. Right? It's beautiful. She loves the dance. She loves right. the carnage. And, and And I guess I'm with you, right? This feels like big chunks of this are flying over my head. Yeah. Because... It feels like there is more destruction than rebirth, right? Which feels like the motherly right. uh, symbolism that I'm used to, which is, you know, if you're a mother, then you're birthing something new. I guess you could say, because this is the other thing we just totally glossed over. She calls in like a fucking Irakai orc from Lord of the Rings to just start fucking people up. Oh, yeah. Sorry. that's a, It's like a blood orc. Yeah. It's like a blood demon that works for her. And I don't know if that's what grants her the... Mother Superiorum title. This is like a you are now one of the ordained uh, from Satan himself. That part just kind of is thrown in there, right? <laughs> Helena Marcos is just <laughs> fucking melting down. Right. It's just, to me, I just, at a certain point, I'm like, I have to stop trying to figure out what every symbolism is. You just have just to sort fucking, of enjoy the yeah, mayhem. To me, it's like if you're standing in the lobby of the Overlook Hotel. And you see that blood coming out of the elevator, right? There's only so much rationalizing you can do. And then you just have to fucking let it bathe you. Just go with the flow, get washed away. You can't fucking stand in front of it. And that's what this final scene was to me. It was just a fucking blunt force beatdown of my fucking senses and happy bone. And it's (laughs) a great ending to a movie only to be punctuated by the thought that, oh, wait, epilogue there's still an epilogue to be done what the fuck yeah, else where we can... find out that tilda swinton's still technically alive yes but you're like almost decapitated but not all the way but here's the most important thing this is the and this is like to me this is like a cardinal's this is another cardinal sin you have this amazing scene where a woman like fully realizes who she is like Susie Susie Banyan realizes like holy shit like I don't need any of these women to give me who they are I am who I am and who I am is Mother Superiorum I am greater than all of them combined she does this whole thing she fucking blows people's heads up there's a blood orc there's a blood orgy all these women 
punctuated by them just walking the old guy out of the like oh sorry about that Whew, blood orgies am i right well see ya and they <laughs> like, that's all right she's like well that got real weird <laughs> that got weird like i was like what the <laughs> fuck is going on get the You're, fuck out okay. of here <laughs> so this is the actual it has two more endings oh i hated it so the final ending it. is we see her as a supernatural being right going to the old man and telling him that his wife died in a concentration camp but it's cool because she had two lady friends she was hugging when it happened. Right. And I was like, wait, is this again that sisterhood is better than all else? I'm confused by that. Not only to tell him that, but then to just take all the memories <laughs> yes. away. Most importantly, tells him that, gives him like five seconds of satisfaction knowing that she, and then she's like, you're never going to remember it. And like gives him a seizure and he forgets yeah. everything. I'm like, waste of time. Wait, why did we even go? Why did we even need to do this? Yeah, I was like, is this the she's taking all of his feminine side away? <laughs> so now he's just going to walk around like a mean old man doctor. <laughs> after that, he turns into the Grand Torino Tilda Swinton doctor. <laughs> yeah, after that, he becomes but, Clint Eastwood. And, and then we just cut to a house. Yep. And then we cut to a house with people talking and we zoom into a tree with an A slash J carved into it, which I think is. It's the doctor and his wife, right? That's Anka yeah. and whatever his Anka name is. Anka and I believe Joseph. Anka, by the way, played by uh, Jessica Harper, Susie yes. from the original, if I'm not mistaken, which I really was excited to see her. Um, this to me, I was like, God, imagine, because to me, Hereditary has set a new bar for like really powerful artistic horror for me. Right. Um, I think Hereditary is already a top five favorite horror movie to me. I fucking, it is such a powerful work. And I think it's an interesting comparison to Suspiria, right? There are a lot of parts of Suspiria that gave me that hereditary vibe, right? Like, oh, this is horror functioning on a higher level, and I dig it. Right. But imagine if after all that hail Paymon, right, and the son knowing that now he is the one of the eight kings of hell and all this, we then just cut to, like, him at a Denny's. Yeah. Like having his first moons over my hammy. Right. Like, what the fuck? Or, yeah, like, I, it just, it, it completely undercuts what happens in the movie. Like, it totally undercuts the ending of the movie. Like, I don't give a shit about anything that happens to that old man. Just fucking I don't stop fucking on care. that her with their arms outstretched over the blood orgy. That's just the fucking, fucking stop. that's the ending shot. And that's what I thought of. But then I was like, oh, fuck, there's an epilogue. What the fuck are they going to do? What else could possibly be in this movie? And then they did that. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck did I care? Like, that was the end of the movie. I don't give a shit about what happens. They've never given me a reason to care about what happens to the old man. I'm sorry. Like, and it, it's weird because that last scene elevates his his uh, importance to the story again. And I still don't know why. Like, I don't know why he's in the movie. I don't understand why he's in the movie. I'll never understand why he's in the movie. Yeah. Like, it has. It's going to have to be. And the fact that me. it's Tilda, I know it has to matter on a big I level. I know. And, and that's just, the infuriating thing. Now, now that we've done our show, I will. Because I try not to go and read like a lot of in-depth think pieces. Before we do our show, because I don't want to just be parroting someone else's words, right? Right. Like, the idea of this show to me is us to have a conversation as, you know, movie fans just talking it out amongst ourselves. Right. You know, and I don't want to just be regurgitating someone who's dramatically smarter than me. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, no, me neither. Like, it feels like it defeats the purpose of having a podcast. But after the show, I will go read, and I'll, that'll be one of my first questions is, I want that old man explained to me. Right. Like, is this the death of the, the male 
driven world and women are ascending but then there are a lot of decades after this movie takes place where that did not seem to be the yeah case. i gotta say 77 uh yeah we had a we had a bit of we had a bit of a stretch there where we were still uh oppressing women not our finest not, <laughs> not our best uh i this is the thing man to wrap this up i i guess like you got to agree with argento man like this movie does not it all no uh, capture the spirit of the original. Like to me, I, I don't know that that's bad though. No, I, I, I think that's a not fair criticism. I agree. I think that's a really difficult um, thing to say. Is like Argento's looking at it from his perspective, but like I don't think they were trying to do Suspiria again. They were trying yeah. to just do their Suspiria. Well, like, would you want to see a Jackson Pollock painting as done by like Rembrandt? You know what right. I mean? Like, it, it's just some things are so unique and so individual right monolithic in what they are right? right like there are not even among other like i watch giallo movies and this and that there are not a lot of suspirias out there that is such um just a fucking strange brew of a film right for what it is and i think it would have been foolish to just try to redo that like don't out argento argento yeah um i do think in that though that there was probably some kind of very specific thought process on we want to make this very different and part of how we're going to do it is we're going to go really heavy on kind of the art house subtext right and i think that in doing that and trying to make it so much more complicated than it is i mean at the end of the day it is witches in a ballet school right, right. trying to sabotage and destroy this woman if not co-opt her right right that's the story I think in trying so hard to add the extra depth and, um, you know, kind of art that they smothered a lot of the best parts. Yeah. It reminds me of like Helena Marcos's body, right? Like <laughs> there are parts that are really cool. And then there's just like an extra arm hanging off her body. Yeah. It's I repulsive. Think, I think that's a great way to put it. Like, honestly, this is just, it's honoring, it honors the movie in a very different way. And I agree. Like, I think in doing, something so radically different from the original, they sort of lost sight of what the original was actually about in the first place. And it ends up just sort of being, and again, like it's not, it's not necessarily bad. I, I, but I also no. necessarily don't think, I don't necessarily think it's added anything to my experience with Suspiria. No, but, but this is the thing to me. It's, it's a companion piece. Like it doesn't add anything to the original Suspiria for me, but there are scenes in this one that, achieve so much more than the original Suspiria did. Right. Um, I love the dancing and the, the magic of her body moving and the visuals of how her coming into her own magic affects the women around her. Sure. Okay. Um, and I, I like the, the high art of the, you know, as she dances and ascends another woman's body being crushed. Yeah. I love the fucking blood orgy scene. Like, I wish every movie I saw had that blood orgy scene in it. Right? Like <laughs> if I got one of those from every movie I watched, I'd be the happiest little movie guy of all time. Um, there are things I adore in this movie, but, and, and this could just, I mean, like you said, like, I feel like I'm very open to embracing what movies are trying to do. I, I'll go there with you. Like there's nothing you can put in front of me where I'm like, that's a bridge too far. I'll go with you to the ends, right? Like sure. I'll descend down into that blood orcs fuck dungeon right. with you every time. I just feel like I was led astray often. Yeah, I feel like the components of this movie that make up like 
again, I, I, I think you could cut out more than an hour of this movie. I'd cut out at least a half hour, like I mean, or at least an hour and a half. Like there's stuff in. Well, this. I mean, I think in an hour you get it down to like an hour and a half, and yeah, there's enough for that. I thought a movie, or is it three? I hours? think the movie's about three hours long. I mean, for me, the first thing, like after that first scene and maybe the old man going to the cops i'd take that like here's a scene we just brushed over do you remember when the cops come to the school yeah and she goes into that back room and they're just like with their meat hooks they're just like fiddling with his dick yep. and playing with his guns yeah after that we know that there is no help from the outside world you don't need the old man again the entire rest of the movie yeah to me no i agree right? though like there's oh. just we forgot another crazy part. Remember when they fucking meat hooked Olga out of the room? They all have those very decorative meat hooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That remind me of the rib of Adam. Yeah. It's a, I mean, there's so many awesome fucked up moments in this movie. It's just, it's just peculiar. Like, it's just such a strange movie. And like, I enjoy it for what it is. But I also think that it's a little overwrought with artistry. Like, it's someone not being told. It's someone not being edited at all. Like, that's the thing that I think is the most, like, it's it's somebody who, it's like he, like, oh, God, I did, I forgot to turn in the movie. Here, it's done. And then he turns it in, like, are we going to watch this thing? Do any, you know, do any QC, any S&P? No, just put it you up. You want to butch this up? You want to bring some super macho-ness to this female movie? It's not even that. It reminds me of Kobe Bryant, right? Where Kobe was this all-time great scorer. Like, some of the things he could do were insane. But he would get in these games where someone else was pushing him, right? Someone else was being great. Right. And so Kobe would be like, fuck you. Give me that ball. And he would run down. And in a game of five on five, he'd have three defenders in his face. And instead of making the pass and just doing good for his team, he's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to shoot a 360 spinning fadeaway jumper. And he might miss five shots. But when he makes that one, you're like, holy shit. Who else but Kobe Bryant could do that shot? And that's kind of what this movie is to me. Is that it's is like, a I fascinating so, analogy. <laughs> I just thought we should butch it up, man, because I know that's what people want in their introspective women. I mean, honestly, like macho sports. I mean, this, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie is. I mean, it takes a lot of things that I just think are fascinating about art house films, and then it takes these like little horror elements. And, like it's interesting to like pepper it in, but in any sense, if you haven't seen it it's very much worth the experience. Yeah. And to me, the things that made people love call me by your name, right? His movie before this are, are the exact kind of things that just don't work in horror movies all the time. Right. For me. Right. Like, there is an element of horror movies where there needs to be a pretty top through line for me. Yeah. Cause the more you release the slack and there are great movies that start slow and end fast, right? Audition. Uh, don't look now. There are great house of the devil. Mm hmm. But there needs to be some kind of build that you can follow. Yeah. And this one misses that a little bit. And call me by your name, right? I, I don't like it because it has one of my big sins, which I don't like in a movie, which is don't ask me to feel sorry for really rich characters that when the movie's over, their life will still be better. Right. Right. So the movie ends with uh, Timothy Chalamet's character is just like emotionally devastated that he lost his first crush and boyfriend. And he's crying in a fireplace, which is just this gut-wrenching final shot. It's beautiful acting. Yeah. But you're like, this movie ends, and six months from now, he's going to some elite fucking school. He's still rich and can just vacation and eat peaches and play Beethoven and read books all fucking day. 
he'll find some other younger, better guy to fuck. Like, I don't, why did I go on this journey, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> everything's still great. For, it's like the King's speech. Like, okay, well, if Stuttering Stanley doesn't make it through the speech, so what? He's still like a fucking prince yeah, or a king just, or whatever. This like, was the, that was the problem cares? I had with the King's speech. I'm like, you're not going to make me feel, I'm not going to get emotional about a guy who's literally a king. Like, nothing yeah, about and that. Yeah, and so <laughs> movies like that where the, the destructive character arc doesn't feel like it's going to actually hurt them at all, that's not my cup of tea, right? What I liked about Call Me By Your Name is it does make you sit in these small, intimate moments. And you can kind of slowly just expand in this, you know, kind of very natural way. And I think while that works really well in Call Me By Your Name, it doesn't work so well in Suspiria. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I... At the end of the day, I'm really glad this movie exists. Uh, I'm sure I will go back and watch at least big parts of it again. I'll probably just skip over all the old man stuff and anything not in the school. But, you know, like if someone told me they'd sell me an edit that was just the school stuff, like I would probably buy that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm right there with you. I would, too. I, I want a director's cut. It's like the opposite Lawnmower Man director's cut where it just shrinks the movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, I, I thought it was... If nothing else, it's one of those movies that I will come back to and ponder long after uh, the movie ends. And I, I'm always grateful for those opportunities. Yes. It's a movie that's definitely worth a conversation like yeah, we're doing man. right now. So, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed having that conversation with us. If you have any theories or moments in the film that you like, things that you noticed that we missed out on, hit us up, guys. We're we're out on Front Street right here. We may not be smart enough to fully grasp everything that happened. Oh, no. I am not smart so enough. So if you can, 100% not hit smart us enough. up. Yeah. Is there hidden genius we missed? Or is there a part that you think is bullshit that we liked? Let us know, guys. Watch this movie with a friend. Uh, you got to find the right friend who will watch this with you, right? They got to be down. They got to be down with movies. Um, and when you do, share this show with them. We'll help uh, have a talk with them, too, guys. If you find us on a podcast directory where you can leave a rating and review, please do, guys. That helps us out so fucking much. Also, share us on your socials, hip young bros and sisters. We want to be in the kids' place. Well, that sounded wrong. We want to be Whoa. where the kids are. Whoa. <laughs> All of this sounds bad. Ignore that. We want to be the Tilda to your Susie, guys. That's what there I'm trying to say. There we go. Okay, say. cool. But cooler. Don't guillotine us. <laughs> this is just off the rails all right guys <laughs> next month february uh we're doing uh love on the rocks that's our theme Lo love that does not go as well as you had hoped <laughs> i got some real uh weird ones picked out and alex found what may be an all-time gym yep might be the most fascinating show we've ever covered a real uh, a real banger <laughs> Yeah, and then I found a bunch of weird Asian kind of horror movie romances, so it's going to be great. You guys are going to love it. We'll see you next month. From the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Green. I'm Alex Dandino. Peace, Jabba DeMarcos.